Welcome to episode 7 of the Sports Talk with Hunter. In this episode, we talk about the latest news regarding the MLB and their season. Man, not looking good for the MLB right now. I'll also give my thoughts on the ACC and SEC college football decisions going with majority-only conference schedules. And then finally... I hope you guys saw those NBA games last night. Two great games between the Jazz and the Pelicans and the Clippers and the Lakers. We'll get into those games. But first, let's start out with the MLB here. Man, the MLB is just a joke at this point. You know, Monday we have the huge, we find out the Marlins have this huge outbreak of uh, coronavirus cases in their dugout within the organization. That 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 bet just started off a pretty bad week for Major League Baseball, and then you have the whole thing with Joe Kelly and the Astros, which I thought was kind of ridiculous that he got an eight game suspension for. I mean, he didn't even hit anybody, and then they want to use his past experiences for the reason why part of the reason why he got suspended for eight games, and yes, did he not need to? Throw it at, oh, like almost hit um, Springer or Correa, one of those two. But I mean, I mean, I don't agree with that. But I feel like eight games was just too much, and so I mean, but what, what I mean, what were you to expect? I mean, the Dodgers felt like they were cheated in the World Series in two thousand seventeen, and they felt like they were robbed of a World Series, which. I understand, because the Astros cheated to win the World Series, and the Dodgers put that game into a Game 7 at their place. Now, don't get me wrong, they probably should have won that game, but still, the Astros still cheated, No, regardless, they still cheated, so you, got, you have to expect that, and for the MLB to give them an eight-game suspension for, for no reason, I mean... I mean, I guess they're trying to keep the players safe. I mean, you suspend Joe Kelly for eight games, but you didn't suspend the cheaters at all. You They got a slap on the wrist. So I think that that's just hypocrisy on the um, case of the MLB. So, I mean, I mean, then the news today about the the uh the Cardinals Brewers game being uh uh canceled for at least today because uh, uh the the Cardinals had some COVID cases and they've been traveling like like the MLB we're like we're eight days into the season and we just have so much uncertainty right now like people don't even know if the season's gonna get done. I mean, that's how bad the situation is in MLB right now. Nobody knows if the season's going to be done, be completed. Now, Rob Manfred's telling Tony Clark, the MLB uh, PA president, that, like, if we don't get together, we're going to shut down the season. Like, yeah, you're going to have to. You have no other choice. Because this season is not going to get far. If we are... Eight days into the season, and we already have outbreaks. We have we already have games postponed. The Yankees were supposed to play the Phillies this over these uh, this week. That didn't happen. Now the Yankees ended up playing the Orioles for the past two days. 
And now, I think it's past two days. Yeah, for the past two days, now they have Boston. Like, the schedule is just, it's just messed up. But the MLB's a joke. They, Rob Manfred has, I don't think he has any idea what he's doing. They spent three months going back and forth. We get to the season, and now this happens. So, I, I don't like the trajectory of MLB right now. All of this, it's just going down. It's, there's nothing really positive you can get out of the MLB right now. I mean, this has literally been probably the worst week for MLB. I, I will be honest with you. It was, it's probably been the worst week for MLB. But we'll see how that all plays out. Um, let's see if they can at least get a month of baseball in. Who knows? So let's talk about some college football here now. So the ACC and SEC um, gave their decisions on their schedules. No surprise, SEC going a 10-game conference schedule along with the Big Ten and Pac-12. They said only conference schedule. ACC is doing a, a mostly conference schedule. I believe they don't have like a one non-conference game uh, that's in like an in-state game or close by. They are they Notre Dame and the ACC agreed to something. So agreed. Well, the ACC and Notre Dame they both agreed to allow Notre Dame to play in the ACC for this year, so they will be eligible for the ACC championship game, which will be interesting. You know because. For the most part, Clemson really hasn't had to face a lot of competition at ACC. And who knows? I mean, Notre Dame maybe could potentially bring that competition to the ACC. Actually make Clemson really earn it. Because they've basically, they blow every team out in the ACC. They have the, like, if you think of all the college football playoff teams, let's just say last year, like, Clemson had the easiest path. They always destroy whatever team they play in the ACC championship game because they're better than them. Everyone that one year Miami made it, everyone overhyped Miami. They actually were fine up until they lost to Pittsburgh. They lose to Pitt, Clemson, and Wisconsin in the Orange Bowl. They were undefeated, and they finished the season with three straight losses. So Clemson really hasn't had any competition in terms of fighting for the ACC championship uh, title. Now they have Notre Dame. So that will be interesting to see. Um, Happy Notre Dame figured out their college football situation. So we'll see that. And then the SEC is just at conference only. Which, I mean, that's not going to be an easy schedule at all either. And... Because the SEC is the best conference in college football. So you're going to play some tough games. You're going to have to play the LSUs, the Alabamas, the Floridas, the Georgias. You know, like those powerhouse teams. Some of these teams, they're going to end up playing each other too. So I I think that will be interesting to see the SEC if, you know, who comes out on top, how they – do their scheduling and everything. Because uh, so, it looks like they'll probably go based on what they normally do in, in the normal season, just no conference games. And we're just waiting on the Big 12 at this point. 
I mean, Big 12, they haven't made, came out, haven't made any public statements or anything about what they're doing. Other than the fact that they had to cancel their uh, virtual media day, which was scheduled for August 3rd, but they decided to cancel it because you won't be talking about college football on August 3rd. So, yeah, that's the thing with college football right now. At least, you know, these conferences are finally coming to reality that the only way you're probably going to have a season is if you play conference play only. So, that's up with that. And now let's hop into the NBA. Let's uh, hop into the NBA. Wow. Had two great games last night. Two down-to-the-wire games, both decided by two points. So first, let's start out with the Jazz-Pelicans game. Um, so the Pelicans, basically, they jumped out to a uh, quick lead. They were they were up by 16 at one point in, during the game. The Pelicans had um, Zion Williamson kind of on a minutes restriction since he hadn't played much in the bubble, so they were being safe on that side. Um, it ended up... Probably, I think, in my opinion, costing them the game or at least a chance to go into overtime. And so they were. the Pelicans were actually playing really good in the first half. They got their lead up to 16. They were hitting their shots. They were getting out in transition. They were attacking the basket. They were getting to the free throw line. They, they were playing good, pretty good basketball. Then the second half, they just... They just let the Jazz get back in the game. Rudy Gobert had some um, really nice plays in the second half, some alley-oop uh, finishes with slam dunks. Then Rudy Gobert ended the game on the free throw line and hit two free throws to put the Jazz up. And the Pelicans get a play. They actually get a really nice shot from Brandon Ingram. It almost went in. Um, I think a lot of people are questioning – why don't you put Zion in the game in that situation for uh, a chance to win the game? You get Zion in there, you can probably create a shot. Most people would probably get out of his way. I'll get a quick play to get Zion the ball and, you know, let him do his thing. If you just clear out one side, get him on a post up. If you get him off a screen, he can knock down the three. He can do everything. But I think, um, Putting him on that minutes restriction hurt him. No, like, I don't care if he was on minutes restrictions. For that last possession for the Pelicans, I would put Zion Williamson in the game. That's just me. I would put Zion Williamson in the game. And now let's get into the Lakers and the Clippers. Whew, man, that was a, that was a good game. I, I think that was a great way to cap off the night for the NBA. Just... Two, like just it was a great game. I mean, just as a <laughs> just as a basketball fan, I really enjoyed it. But I mean, as a Lakers fan, yeah, I I mean, yeah, there were some parts of the game that concerned me, and I I'm optimistic because I'm kind of happy that these things actually happen now rather than actually in the first. The, and during the playoffs or during the Western Conference final matchup against the Clippers, I mean, you know, the Clippers were out with Lou Williams. They didn't have Montrezl Harold. Some of their guys like Patrick Beverly, Landry Shamick, uh, Big Zoo, they, Zubak, they didn't really get a chance to really play a lot, and they still found a way to have a chance to win the game. 
And so if I'm the Clippers, I actually take a lot of positives away from this loss. I mean, I think one of the problems that hurt the Clippers was they had 22 turnovers. And for them to only lose by two points, I mean, that's pretty good. To have 22 turnovers and you lose by two points, that's not bad. Lakers, on the other hand, should have won by more. You, the the Clippers were without Lou Williams, without Montres Harold, And you can see that, how important Lou Williams and Montres Harold are to the Clippers. Because when Kawhi Leonard and... Paul George went to the bench. They weren't the same team. They weren't getting that score they typically get from Lou Williams. And you could really see that. And his production is really important. Uh, but Patrick Beverly hit some um, timely threes for them. You know, I mean, the first quarter, the Lakers came out strong. Anthony Davis was attacking. He was getting to the free throw line. And then the second and third quarters just kind of like the second for like toward the like midway point of the second quarter and the beginning of the third quarter, the the Clippers just played better than the Lakers. And they came out at halftime and were just rolling. They came out to start the second half on a 14-1 run. Paul George hit two threes. Then Kawhi hit a three. They're starting to hit threes. The Lakers offense couldn't get anything going. Had multiple turnovers during that span. Their offense just could not get going. And then um, finally toward the end of the third quarter, AD woke up. Um, he had some nice three-pointers. I mean, finally, because I was over here at my house Worrying, like, what's going on here? Our, the defense wasn't looking good. The offense wasn't looking good. Turnovers, like, everything was going wrong. And then, you know, they 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 got they kind of got the they got the momentum in the towards the end of the third quarter, and then going into that fourth quarter, they kept that momentum for into the beginning, and. I thought the Lakers, they had them right where they wanted them. They had them down. They, I think they got their lead back up to 11, but, like, it was about, like, six minutes left to go. And then the Clippers just stayed around. And it, it, I give them a ton of credit for staying around. Paul George had a nice game. He hit a clutch three to um, tie the game up at 101. Really close straight. The, the the defense on that play for the Lakers wasn't good. I would say they kind of LeBron and Danny Green didn't kind of no. They're kind of like confused. I would say because Danny Green kind of like opened up a little bit. I think someone had set a screen for Paul George, and I think LeBron didn't step up, and so that led to three. I mean, it was a, it was a tough shot, and it was a good. I mean, it was a tough shot, but it went in. Well, Paul George was feeling it. Uh, Marcus Morris didn't have the best game. Uh, Anthony Davis had a good game for the Lakers. Um, that was one bright spot, I would say. And then uh, Deion Waiters, he played pretty good for the Lakers. He showed his ability to create his own shot. Had some really nice moves around the basket. Um, I, I think J.R. Smith should have played more minutes. Because they're trying to get him, 
how do I want to say this? They're trying to get him up to speed with the uh, with how they play. He hasn't he hasn't played with them all season. He hasn't played basketball. He hasn't been in the league since two thousand eighteen. Been playing with the actual team since two thousand eighteen. I mean that's a long time to not play on an NBA team, and so I feel like they should have. Played him some more minutes. I think he only played like three minutes. Uh, I mean, Dwight, he, I mean, he was okay for the Lakers. He played, he had 13, played 13 minutes. They had one point in like 5,000, a few rebounds. I think you could see the rust from both teams. You know, I think LeBron had like five turnovers. AD had four turnovers. Some of them were preventable. I know one play in particular, LeBron was on a fast break, and Paul George did a really nice job of knowing what LeBron's going to do, took the charge on LeBron. Uh, I, I I think it was just rust. I mean, Clippers not having their important pieces. They weren't, like, 100% healthy either. I don't think they had, some of the guys hadn't played a lot of minutes. They just got clear from the quarantine, and so... After traveling down to Bubba, because Landry Shamit tested positive, I don't remember why uh, Zubak was laid down there. But once Landry Shamit got cleared to go, then he traveled. Then he had to do the quarantine, and then he finally got back down there. And you know they had to play him. They had to play them a lot of minutes, and because they were missing some key pieces, Lou Williams, Montrez Harrell. Um, Joe Kim Noah, he did a pretty nice job. Uh, they were able at, at some points a play here and there to contain Anthony Davis. Um, I definitely like that he was able to hit some three pointers. So I, I, I like that part of his game. I, I think the Lakers should try to y- utilize that more. Get him in some pick and pop situations, because not just down in the post. And but but I think you're gonna see. I mean, you would say LeBron didn't have the greatest game, which and, and to his standards, yeah, you're right. Had 16 points on six of 19 shooting. I think he had like 11 rebounds, seven assists. I mean, not a bad game necessarily, but they're not like LeBron standard stats. Uh, but he definitely had some huge plays down the stretch. Uh, with scoring the tip in, uh, the putback after following his missed shot. And then on the last play, a great defense by LeBron guarding both Kawhi uh, and Paul George. And part of the reason LeBron could do that because their spacing wasn't good. And that's how you know your spacing's not good when when uh, one person can guard two people literally almost at the same time because LeBron stopped Kawhi. And then Kawhi kicked it out to Paul George. Paul George was so close to Kawhi that LeBron was able to slide over to Paul George and guard him, pretty much. And that's how the game ended. And I think it was really good for the Lakers, important for them to win that game. But at the same time, they have a lot to work on. And they really, I think, I hope Frank Vogel, the head coach, uh, Incorporates J.R. Smith more in the um into the offense and to the defense. Uh, 
Dwight Howard, he's he'll probably end up playing more minutes, but in foul trouble, you don't really want to risk uh, him fouling out. So I mean, I think that the importance for you know a team versus the Pelicans who are trying to fight their way into the playoffs, not just saying that, say within four games, and then when get into the playing tournament, you got to play Zion. You got to like. Like the like the game against the Jazz mattered for the Pelicans. It didn't matter so much for the Jazz necessarily because they're going to the playoffs. And same thing for like the Lakers and the Clippers. They know they're going to the playoffs. These eight seeding games were now seven for those for those teams I just mentioned. The rest of these games are important for them. Just for like between the Clippers, Lakers, and the Jazz is. To get their guys healthy, ready to go, get them in game shape, ready to go for the playoffs. Because, I mean, it's basically every other day. You're playing every other day. Lakers, Clippers, all those teams, uh, the four teams that played yesterday, they they have a rest today. They play tomorrow. And so it's just really important that, you know, depending on your situation, how do you play your guys? You know, I think for the Lakers, it that game really mattered for them to at least tie up the season series with the Clippers because if they would have lost, they the Clippers would have won the season series three to one, which would have not been a good look at all for the Lakers. And the Lakers, they they I think they need one more game to clinch that number one seed in the West. That would be huge, in my opinion, at least. So they wouldn't have to. They would have to. They won't have to probably worry about you know potentially playing a tougher team. Uh, but who knows the the range between I think three and six in the West is pretty close. So who knows who the Lakers might play in the second round? Could maybe pull out some upsets by a team, and so I think that's a good thing to look for. We have a good game. Coming up, it, the game might have started by the time this gets published, but we have the Celtics and the Bucks. Who knows? That could be a potential Eastern Conference Finals matchup right there. Two good teams. I think both teams are capable of making it to the finals. Um, I think the Celtics could potentially beat the Bucks, uh, but the, I think the Bucks will end up in the finals. Uh, for the Lakers, I'm concerned for what I saw, but at the same time, I'm optimistic because they know what they need to work on. And now you can use the rest of these seeding games to improve on those things. You know, definitely, it, it'll be a different game once Lou Williams and Montrez Harrell come back. Which, whenever Montrez Harrell gets to the bubble, first of all, let's just hope he gets to the bubble. First of all, and then we can talk about him getting back and actually playing with the team. And so I think once those two guys get back or once Lou Williams gets back from his extended quarantine after going to Magic City, <laughs> get some wings. Oh, Lou Williams. Now everyone's calling him all sorts of names, chicken wings, Lou and everything. So guys are having fun with that. And so, once Luke Williams is done with his quarantine, then he'll be back. We're hoping Montrez Harrell gets back in the bubble. He's a big piece of their team. I mean, they had so. 
I I mean, I think that the Lakers and Clippers will match up in a Western Conference Finals matchup. Will probably be one of the best Western Conference Finals matchups we've seen. Both uh, both teams have a lot to play for, in my opinion. LeBron knows that this is probably his best chance to win a championship. We go into his 18th season when the next season uh, starts back up. Kawhi and Paul Doris, they still have time together. But, I mean, for the Clippers, they've been waiting for a while. They've, they haven't won a championship in their uh, franchise history. And Kawhi, Paul George, they know the importance of that. I think Paul George has a little pressure on him, too. He hasn't won a ring yet. And... And people were talking about this when they first signed him, which is so true, is that the Clippers were already a good team. If I mean, they they had between they had Patrick Beverly, Landry Shamit, Lou Williams, Montres Harold, Jamichael Green was on that team, I believe. They had some good pieces already there. And they actually won two games against the Warriors, the the healthy Warriors team in the first round of the West uh, in the finals on the Western Conference side as an eight seed. The Warriors were the one seed, the Clippers were the eight seed, and they actually won two games against that healthy Warriors team with with Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green. So they showed they could win, and then you add Paul George and Kawhi. I mean, that's a good team on paper. That's a really good team on paper. Par George is healthy now, so I think the league better watch out. Yeah, because Par George, he 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 had shoulder surgery over the summer. He missed like the first few weeks of the season, and you know when he came back, he probably wasn't it wasn't a hundred percent healthy. But now since he had this four month break, he's like a hundred percent healthy now. I think the rest probably helped most of the league. LeBron got a four-month break. I think Kyle Kuzma looks better, too. Uh, he's playing better, at least. He's. I think he's back healthy. He missed some time. I think he's got some confidence back now. Um, I'm excited to see how, once we get into the playoffs, how the Lakers use Deion Waiters and J.R. Smith. Uh you know, Rondo's hurt. They're expecting for him to be back between first and second round. Uh, I would probably think most likely the second round, depending on who they play. Who knows? Could the Trailblazers, Pelicans find their way to the eighth seed? Mm. And I think the Grizzlies' biggest priority is to make sure they win as many games as possible to extend their extend that lead. And make sure they don't have to go through the playing tournament to just to get the eighth seed and all that other stuff so they can just prepare for the Lakers because if if it started right now, they will be playing the Lakers. And that's going to be a tough series. I think what I think um, LeBron, I think he's on a mission. I think throughout this entire season, we've seen a different LeBron. Part of the reason... I kind of predicted that he would, you know, this, the 2018-2019 uh, the season was the 
first season that he didn't make it in the finals in eight straight years. He had that groin injury on Christmas Day against the Clippers. Basically, Lakers just pretty much shut him down after that for the most part. I think he might have came back and played a game or two, but he didn't play much after that. He didn't have to go through the uh, playoffs. He didn't have to go through the playoffs at all. He rested from basically December 25th through June, July, and August. And then, you know, the Lakers get Anthony Davis in June. They get Danny Green uh, on the same day, Kawhi and Paul George. That that went through when the Clippers signed Paul George. When they signed Kawhi, then traded for Paul George. Danny Green was also signed on that same day. And so, I'm just happy the NBA is back. The bubble seems to be working. It seems like the only way a sports league going to return is playing the bubble. And I think that's obviously showing right now with the situation with MLB. Absolutely 100% chaos. Chaos MLB is a joke. It's it's chaos and I don't really, it's a, MLB is a joke, a chaos, it's a mess, it's, I don't know what else to say at this point. Thank you guys for listening to episode 7 of the Sports Talk with Hunter, and I hope to see you guys soon. Bye.